My name is constantly slandered. Um, I'm just kidding. No. Hey, it's great to be here this morning. Uh, welcome. And uh, last week we started our, our last summer series titled, While You Were Sleeping. And as we do this series, we're going to be looking at different stories in the Bible where we have characters that are sleeping. And we're going to be looking at how God is literally and metaphorically waking them up to something that he's calling them to do in their lives. Um, last week we started with the story of Samuel and his calling. And we challenged everyone to look at if we are waking up to the calling that Jesus has for our lives as, as followers of his. Uh, you know, waking up is kind of a weird thing. It can be really funny. In fact, have any of you ever woken up a child abruptly, like just scared them to wake? It is amazing. It is so hilarious. Uh, I, I, I have a, my inner little child, my inner little brother just loves this kind of stuff. And so what's so great is to go up to a kid and they're sleeping, you know, wake up, wake up, wake up, and then, whoa, and, and, and you give them a direction right away to have them go do something. And it is awesome because they are oddly obedient. Like when you scare them to wake up to something, there's just like this kind of like sidewinding, fumbling, like, but they're going. And instead of getting a pair of socks from the dresser, they're getting it from the toy box and like, well, I don't know where it is. But there's an odd obedience that happens when we are woken up abruptly. And today we're going to be looking at a story where God wakes someone up abruptly to obedience in a way that's a little bit odd. Our passage for today uh, comes from Acts chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. Our scripture reader for the day is Marion Van Hofwagen. So Marion, could you come to the center of the room? And could I ask all of you just to please stand with me? Here at TFRC, we stand for the reading of God's uh, word because we believe that uh, scripture is supposed to be central to our lives and it's supposed to be the primary lens which we view and live it. So Marion, whenever you're ready, can you please read? So Peter was kept in prison, by the but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was sleep seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything that Jewish people were hoping would happen. Thanks, Mary. And you guys can all be seated, please. Now, the book of Acts is such an exciting book. There's so much from a story standpoint that happens, and it's so cool to see how the Holy Spirit moves in amazing ways, how the Spirit works in the lives of the people and makes crazy events happen. But the book of Acts is also a book where we are witness to uh, persecuting of Christians. We see the stoning of Stephen. We see Christians being arrested. 
And leading into this story, we see the imprisonment and beheading of James, one of Jesus' disciples. Our passage today has Peter sleeping in prison on the night before his trial. Now, Peter's been in prison and put to trial because of a positive reaction that Herod Agrippa I got from the Jewish people for the beheading of James. Peter's trial wasn't an opportunity to prove him right, guilty, wrong, whatever. It was an opportunity to send a statement, to make a spectacle of Peter. It was an excuse to kill him. Now, Herod didn't want his plan sabotaged. So he did all that he could to ensure that his will would be done. But God's will is stronger. Verse 6 says, The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. So Peter had a soldier on each side of him, There were two sets of chains on his body, and there were two sentries guarding the entrance. Seems like a little bit of excessive protection for a measly follower of Jesus, doesn't it? I think he knew the power of God. What happens next is he is released in a miraculous way. But Peter doesn't know this is coming. I want you to put yourself in his shoes for a minute. He's in chains. He's lying in prison. One of his good buddies just got killed. He's about to go to trial, and he knows his future is the same as his friends. He only has hours, maybe, to live. And what is he doing? He's sleeping. He's sleeping. If I were in that same circumstance, I'd like to think if many of us were in that same circumstance, we would struggle to fall asleep. We would be so anxious, so scared of of what's coming. But his faith in Jesus allowed for him to find confidence and peace amongst the chaos. Peter's sleep in the story represented and showed the peace that he found in his faith. He was ready to take it head on this peace would be the foundation that would allow for him to have the courage to do what God was about to do for him. In our passage, Peter is being rescued from prison, but oftentimes in our lives, we find ourselves needing rescue from sin that we struggle with, or maybe the circumstances or situations we find ourselves in. As we look at the way that Peter is rescued, and we look at the way he responds we're going to see that there's a lot of the same principles that we can apply to our lives in regards to how God is trying to rescue us. Verse 7 says, Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. So we read here that Peter is struck. And, and the word for struck here is not like a, like a nudge or a gentle like, hey, you know, kind of get up. No, it's like, bam, get up. God wakes him up abruptly. Not in a subtle, kind, polite, hey, if, you know, if you're kind of ready to get up, maybe get up. No, he wakes him up abruptly. God woke him up abruptly to be rescued. 
He didn't have a gentle nudge. He didn't call his voice. He smacked him to get him going. Time was of the essence. And when God wakes Peter up, he does so with purpose and force. I think many times in our lives, God uh, wakes us up to be rescued in a similar circumstance. He acts in a similar manner. He can give us a brutal awakening to what it is he's asking us to get up from. Now, this brutal awakening can come in a loving way, such as uh, having a friend maybe have a conversation with you about the way you're treating a spouse, or maybe through reading God's word and having it reveal a sin that we've been struggling in, or maybe it's uh, someone we love gently telling us that we're not in a good situation, we're in an abusive situation. But there's also times where God wakes us up abruptly and it's painful. It hurts. It's when we wake up to the abuse we're receiving because our spouse hurts us. It's where we wake up uh, to being caught in an addiction by our child. Maybe it's where we realize that we're in a situation that's unhealthy for us. God wakes us up abruptly. Regardless of what we need to be woken up, God will always wake us up with perfect timing. And a lot of times that perfect timing comes at a point where we're receptive to what it is he's trying to wake us up to. After initially waking up, Peter says in verse 8 and 9, Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your clothes around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of prison but he had no idea that, the angel was, that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. Peter didn't even know what's going on. He thinks he's dreaming. But uh, there's a reality that, he, that's, that happens during this, and that's that while he's dreaming, he still faithfully follows what God's telling him to do through the angel. In doing so, he displays an undoubting obedience. Sometimes the way that God rescues us can seem unrealistic. Maybe it seems a little too good to be true. Or maybe even just a little unclear with what he's trying to do. But it's important to still act obediently to the direction he's giving us. When being rescued by God, part of our role is to obediently follow his commands despite not knowing what turns up of them. So often when we don't understand what's happening around us, we choose to, to go our own path or do our own thing because of the fear of what lies ahead. The obedience displayed by Peter is different than a blind obedience. I think it'd be easy to call it blind obedience. A blind obedience would infer that he's never seen God do this kind of thing before. But Peter has witnessed God transform lives and circumstances in amazing ways. So he's not blind, but he acts with no doubt. This trust is based on the faithfulness that God has shown him in the past. The trust is based on this complete faith that he has because he knows God will come through. 
It doesn't matter if it's a dream or if it's reality. He knows regardless, I'm going to follow. I'm going to obey. As Peter woke up and he followed obediently, verse 10 says, They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. When they had walked the length of the one street, suddenly the angel left him. Wow. What a miracle. As God was rescuing Peter, something else happens here. Peter was willing to stay the course. Sometimes God's rescue plan for our lives is one that's a bit complicated. It has multiple steps. God didn't just release Peter like, bam, now now you're free. There were things that happened. People he had to get past. On a lighter scale, it kind of reminds me of sneaking out of the house. Not that any of you have ever done this in your adolescence. Um, But one of the things that that I do for fun is I like to play basketball in the mornings. And I wake up at about 5 a.m. And one of the conditions to me going and playing basketball, it used to be a little more heavily enforced, was I'm allowed to go play basketball if I don't wake up the kids and if they're not already awake. So what that means is in the morning when my alarm goes off at 5 a.m., I rush or I slap the alarm, turn it off so that, you know, okay, they're not going to hear the alarm. That's perfect. So now I have to get from the bed over to the bathroom. So remember, I can't wake people up. So the squeakiest stretch of floor in our entire house, I think is from my bed to the bathroom. And so I'm trying to go as quiet as I can. All right, that's one obstacle. So I finally get to the bathroom there. Now I got to do the old morning routine. I'm not going to go to too many details on that. But then uh, I, I pull out the scale. I go and I step on it. And I'm like, now I have mild depression. So then I slide the scale under the, the sink. And now I'm depressed. I'm trying to be quiet. Now what's next to go? So I, I get out. I'm about ready to go downstairs because that's the quickest, most quiet way to get out of my house. And I realize I left my keys on the other side of the wood floor in my house. So, all right, all the way over, all the way back, still nothing. I'm safe. Okay, but each single thing that I accomplish brings a new level of anxiety. It's like, oh, am I going to make it out the door? So I head down the stairs, and 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 I'm, I'm heading that way. But then, you know what the problem with going down the stairs is? To get out the door, I have to pass my boy's room. Now, my oldest son has a love affair with basketball right now. So if I'm waking up to go play basketball, he, and he's awake, he's going to want to come with me. So I'm sneaking in the basement quietly. I step, I step. I ah! left the Lego on the floor in the middle of the dark. And, and now I'm screaming, and I'm like, oh, I hope that didn't wake him up. So sure enough, I, 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 I wait for a second, pause, and then I dart to the door, and I exit as quietly as possible. Mission accomplished. I go, and I try to prove that I still have something in my life with basketball. Um, no, but I think that this is often how it goes with us when it comes to being rescued. You see, there's obstacles. There's, there's new levels of anxiety that come, come with trying to be rescued. God doesn't just, boom, it's over. Most of the time, you have to stay the course. 
You have to be willing to go through the things he puts in your way, the obstacles that, that come through it. But God is one who always rescues. Something important to notice from this story is that uh, God miraculously opens the gate. I think it's easy for us to just kind of skim over that. He opens a gate for Peter. Peter, you know, has the chains fall off. He gets past all the guards. He's like, man, this is pretty cool. He gets to the gate. Oh, man. No, but it opens. Sometimes in our lives, when we stay the course, God does amazing things, miraculous things that can change our lives. It says that once Peter had walked about a street's length to his freedom, it was now time for him to make the next move. The angel left him. He was rescued. When we are freed from our sin, from the situations and circumstances of our lives, there will come a time where we have to move on. We have to move on to what's next. But as we do so, there's value in responding the way that Peter does in verse 11. It says, Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. Once Peter escaped, he was finally able to recognize God's role in this rescue. I think it's easy for us to to pay attention to what we did, but it's important to know that God is the one rescuing us. When God rescues, it can be difficult to give him credit in the moment But when we look back at our lives, when we look at the back of those moments where we are rescued, we can see his divine hand at play in our lives. When we find ourselves being rescued from something, there's value in giving ourselves space to process everything that God has been doing. In doing so, we have the opportunity to acknowledge what he's orchestrated. It gives us the opportunity to grow in our faith as well. When I look back and I try to recognize the way that God has rescued me in my past, I I can't help but think to my late teens, early 20s, where I really struggled. I struggled with feeling loved. I saw all my friends having girlfriends, getting married. And, And there was this piece of me Am I lovable? Is there something wrong? But God would rescue me. And believe me, it was of nothing I did. I'm kind of an idiot when it comes to girls. (laughs) Seriously. Um, So what happened? One summer, my sister happened to work with some knockout of a lady who was painting buildings with her. And my sister had the, the idea come to her that, hey, I should set you up with my brother. <laughs> and so we start dating. And God provides moments where we fall more and more in love with each other. Then we have a family. 
God transformed my life. My situation, my circumstance of not feeling loved, I'm incredibly loved. And what's so cool is in the midst of all that, he also revealed that my, my need to be loved shouldn't just come from people, it should come from him. I needed to realize that he loved me. Our scripture today is about God rescuing Peter from prison. But God has the ability to rescue us from anything, any life circumstance, any situation, any sin struggle that we have. But most importantly, God has the ability to rescue our soul for eternity. The gospel is the greatest rescue mission of all time. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son to be brutally killed so that he could three days later rise from the dead And if we believe in him, if we put our faith in him, we become rescued to a restored relationship with the living God. Colossians 1 verses 13 and 14 says this, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. God rescues us from our sin and from our situations we find ourselves in. But through Jesus' death and resurrection, he rescues our soul. Many of us here today have been woken up to the rescuing power of the gospel. But I'm going to bet there's probably a few of us here today that have been hitting the snooze button on what that means for our lives. Are you actively trying to be awake to the rescuing power of the gospel? Are you allowing for it to transform who you are, how you live your life and the circumstances that you're in? There might be here some here today as well that have never woken up to that story. And if that's you, maybe today, maybe this morning is the day he's trying to wake you up abruptly. If that's the case, I want to encourage or challenge you to come find me. Come talk to one of the other pastors. Go to a mentor of faith that you have and have a conversation with them about what it looks like to put your faith in Jesus. God is the one who rescues us. But we also have an important role to play in this process. If we go back to the first verse of our passage, in verse 5 it says, So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. As Peter was in prison, we see that there was a group of faithful believers praying fervently, earnestly, with authenticity the entire time. That is what we are called to do. There is power in that process. We are a part of God's rescuing plan. There are people in this world that need prayer to be uh, 
taken out of a situation, to, to be able to stop living a sinful lifestyle. There's people that need to be prayed for to gain a faith in Jesus. That is who we are called to be, to take part in this great rescue that God has for humanity. God is rescuing us and others, and it's our role to pray. When we look at the story of Peter being uh, taken out of that prison, it's important for us to remember that God can do the same things for us. The things in life that imprison us. The things we fall asleep into. He can free us from our sin. He can change our situation. He can change our eternity. And because of the gospel, all this is possible. We just have to be willing to wake up to his rescue. Is there something in your life that God is trying to wake you up to be rescued from? Do you maybe need to be woken up to the rescuing power of the gospel this morning? God is waking us up to be rescued and it's time to get up. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the great ways you show up in our lives, for your rescuing power, for the power of the gospel. And we ask that whatever sin or situation we find ourselves in, uh, that you help us to come to you to be rescued. Lord, deliver us from those things and help us to have the courage to be uh, faithful and obedient in a way that has no doubt. And Lord, we, we pray that today, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, that they come to know you so they can take part in the greatest rescue of all time. In your name we pray, amen. Let me close you with this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.